You are now listening to Carly's Couch. I'm Carly. And I'm Lex. In this podcast, we discuss a wide array of topics about life and how to live your best life. Whatever that looks like for you. (laughs) Hope y'all enjoy. Today on Carly's Couch, we're going to have a discussion around grief, the stages of grief, and what it means to heal through them. Happy Monday, everybody. I am so excited to be here. How y'all doing? How y'all feeling? Welcome to the couch. Thanks for being here with us today. Carly, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling really good. Um, There is such beautiful weather in L.A. today, and so I feel like my mood matches the weather outside, like sunny, clear, focused. Are you serious? Yeah, right now, yeah. I've been driving around after the rain. L.A. is the most beautiful. This morning it rained, and L.A. is the most beautiful after it rains because it clears away all the smog, and you can, like, see the mountains and the snow caps every which way, and... Yeah, so I'm going to enjoy it while it's sunny in between rain sessions. Yeah, it's truly unusual, though, all this rain. And I think um, I've been seeing, like, hella potholes lately, like, a lot, lot more potholes. And I wonder if it has to do with that, too, like, the weather somehow um, and then just not being used to it here. Because it's literally, like, whole, like, chunks of pavement that's not in streets it's a lot more lately. It's absolutely the rain. Yeah, that is crazy. Um, <laughs> but that thought about you know having rainy weather and then it goes away and the sun's up and it clears up outside so sounds like it could be um a metaphor around grief and around the things that we're talking about today um which we said in the intro that you know there are a lot of hard times like life is a lot of valleys um hopefully some peaks but it's you know knowing that there's always like a another brighter day and and maneuvering through that but yet you always still have to figure out how to move through those low times so um today we're going to talk about grief yeah i think that's a perfect metaphor for it um and we've talked about grief once before we had a guest john conyers the third um who had dealt with a lot of loss in his life and so it's called um Grief is like a ball in a box, and it was episode 127, so if you haven't, you can go listen to that. Um, but I did want to point out that, like, although a lot of the stages and some of the examples we'll be using are focused around death, that everybody experiences grief, and we're never really taught how to deal with it. Like, you can lose friendships, you can lose opportunities, you can not have the life you thought you would have. Like, there's so many things that we deal with every day, so I think that this episode could be useful for anybody, even if you're not experiencing, like, a life-altering loss of someone close. Yeah, I don't remember which episode it was, but I know recently mentioning grief, we talked about how grief is loss. So just the loss of anything big, the loss of um, anything that may have been a presence and or that you just had expectations for, like, you know, a different turnout or, um, you know, not ending the way that you wanted it to. And so, yeah, you can think about grief as a loss um, in quite a few different ways. Um, I think death of loved ones is one of the most uh, heaviest things to grieve because that's not something you can replace and that's not something you can get back as opposed to like relationships, which also is probably a heavy thing. People can say, man, I'm really grieving like the loss of a relationship or a divorce or whatever. And that can like really have you in the pits too. But also there's this like, you can kind of replace, you know, that person in your life. Um, and so I would say, but you feel free to correct me if you think otherwise, but I would say that death is one of the, the most finite changes that, um, you know, there's literally nothing you can do, but deal with it, um, and move through that. Absolutely. And, um, 
my mom passed away at the end of last year. And so that's why grief has been so much on the forefront um, of my heart because it's something that I'm dealing with every day. But before this, I had only lost grandparents. So I've actually like never lost anyone that close to me. And even with my grandparents, like I do remember like having stages and being really sad, but like losing someone that you talk to every day is very different than mm -hmm. like someone who you talk to, you know, every once in a while and who's not like direct, like directly connected to you. Do you feel like um, prior to um, the loss of your mother that you had um, had experienced a grief, like a real grief in the past? I have. I can think of two things. Well, three. So my grandfather passing, my grandmother. But then also I remember being so messed up about a relationship, like mm -hmm. completely just devastated. And it was like my first <laughs> real big relationship loss. So, mm -hmm. But then... When other things happen, do you feel like now it's like that pales in comparison type of thing or like? Yeah, there's nothing that compares to like the loss of my mom, mm -hmm. like nothing. Like at first I thought it was things like even with my grandma and grandpa, like I was going through it in my mm -hmm. head, but it's nothing like that. And then when you think about the past, past times that you experienced grief with those being more in the past, do you feel like? you have gone through all the stages and like you've accepted that you accepted that relationship being over. You've accepted the passing of your grandparents and all of that. Yeah. If I look at it, I could, you know, top level, like very macro view, like see the different stages. Mm -hmm. um, I think they were even more acute in the relationship because for, for whatever reason it was more intense mm -hmm. um, in the moment, but I can definitely see a lot of that, especially the anger piece. <laughs> yeah. Relationships are so stupid. <laughs> like, and then it can, it's interesting too, because, um, Speaking to the relationship part with grief, it's like you can literally you could be over it for real, but you still do feel angry. Um, like I, I still feel angry about relationships. Um, not as much sad, like disappointed. Um, and then I, I'll catch myself saying like, well, why do I, why do I feel angry about it? Like, does that mean I'm still thinking about it, or why do I care, or whatever? But you just, it's just a disappointment. And it's such a heavy um, feeling where you just like still so so mad at like what somebody may have did or didn't do or or at yourself honestly like mad at yourself or like nah, I knew better you know I saw signs or whatever right um and so it, it really is hard to get past that even if you move on um you know to another relationship you know what's so funny is so um Lexi had mentioned this what is it the six stage um meditation Mm -hmm. six step meditation Six step meditation and so part of one of those steps is about forgiveness mm -hmm. and before I started doing the meditation I was like I mean I don't really have that much to forgive oh but I do mm -hmm. <laughs> and a lot of it is like around myself and around those relationships like those big disappointments and so um in them his Vishen Lakiani I think is his name but he talks about mm -hmm. like you know if you are still bothered and not able to like hug the person at the end of this visualization, then there might be more to it. Like you might need to spend a couple mm -hmm. more meditation sessions doing that. And I found myself doing quite a, quite a few of those, even though I feel like I've definitely moved on and I'm past those relationships and not holding on to it. Apparently there's some stuff I still need to forgive and let go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. when I do that, sometimes I, I choose to look at myself, but I can always understand myself and why I made the decisions and like hug myself sometimes other people I'm still like fuck out of here like <laughs> so like, eh, I'm good on that like I don't know like you can understand that other people are going through things and they they make mistakes or do whatever but also it's just like I, I don't know if it's not forgiving you but just whatever I, and maybe that's just still being angry in that point just being like man whatever I don't even want to acknowledge that but maybe that's part of the reason why relationship stuff stings so bad is like because you know in spite of what whoever they were going through, like they still chose to do those things or it could have been different or whatever, mm -hmm. um, as, as opposed to being so finite like death. Like it really could have been different, but it just wasn't. Yeah. Um, 
But I, I think grief, I don't know if I would say grief is important, but grief is something that you can't escape. So, like, when we talk about different emotions, it's, it's not something that <clears throat> I don't think there's anybody in the world who can go through their life without feeling grief um, to some extent. And I would say it definitely shows you a lot about, like, what you do care about. Um, it shows you what you feel is important. Because if you're really grieving something, um, you're really upset about, you know, that thing being lost and gone, and it's hard to deal with. Um, so that's something that is really important for you or to you. Um, so I think it can show us that. It can show us about ourselves. It can show us, you know, maybe things we still need to look at or uh, focus on or work on or, you know, a lot of things. Um, any thoughts about, like, what grief serves in our life? Um, I think it's a growth catalyst, just – uh, like you mentioned earlier, life is a series of peaks and valleys that are inevitable, like for everybody, highs and lows and whatever things. And I think that grief is one of those processing tools that just helps us get there. Um, I don't know, like if it has uh, like a set purpose, but I would say like, it's definitely one of those tools used for like self growth, self care and like, um, towards enlightenment because a lot of grief is about detaching and like letting go and learning mm -hmm. to find the meaning in things and, and understand that. And so I would say like, it, it's definitely about a, like a leveling up of those like spirit and emotions wise. Mm -hmm. I'd like to look at um, grief across cultures. Cause I have an idea that there are some cultures that exist where um, they probably do not grieve like that or like mm -hmm. in the same way, like it's probably I guess a better way to say it is like it's with death, for example, it's so accepted that it's like they are actually literally happy. You know how Christians act like they're happy when somebody dies, but it's really like whatever. Yeah. But like they actually are literally like this is good, happy and or very understanding of like this is part of life and all of those things. And I know culturally, like there's just so many different approaches to to grief. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily healthier or not healthier, but um it's probably a good it's probably good to have a certain level of detachment with your life and understanding of life to be able to process it in a different way or or easier way than maybe we kind of do in our culture i think that's a great point and i haven't thought about that but i do know about like in um mexican and perhaps other like latinx cultures it's dia de los muertos and you're celebrating people mm -hmm. and you bring them offerings and it's a thing like they literally have parties like in and cemeteries and stuff and mm -hmm. it's not as faux pas um um also asian cultures like you give offerings to your ancestors every year like at the mm -hmm. asian new year you give them things and you think you know that them being on the other side will bring good fortune and you know they can offer you wisdom and solace and so i think that's that is a great mm -hmm. lens um and also um because even in uh, torah there's lots of different stories about folks who pass and um even in a lot of different cultures in the past and maybe now it's this, um, there are, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, when somebody passes, it's this whole, like, uh, for 90 days, I wear, I uh, spread ashes or tear my, mm -hmm. tear my clothes, or they give you a time. So, they're, in the Bible, um, I forgot how long it was, but, like, somebody passed, and it was an understanding with the community that, like, okay, for X amount of time, they're doing this or like maybe they're going somewhere or they're doing something, but it was almost like, you're just like, you're wailing, you're being extra, you're wearing the same clothes every day, whatever it was that they that they were doing. But it's almost like a, let's spend a certain amount of time only focusing on that. Right. I don't have to focus on how I'm going to eat. I don't have to focus on all these other things. Like I'm being taken care of, but like I am going all in 
and feeling it and grieving it and like processing it. And then it's like, all right. And, and moving along. So it's like a set period. Mm -hmm. Whereas here also like, you know, somebody passes, you know, sure. Like you tell your uh, team and, and folks that maybe you're working with or clients and, and, you know, people are understanding and yet also like stuff still has to get done. And, um, you know, you might take a little time off, but then you gotta come right back to it. And, you know, it's just not really like, we don't even get maternity, you know, benefits barely here. So it's like, of course, when it's not, especially if it's not like direct, um, family, but even if it is, it's really kind of like, a, all right, we feel you, but you know, like get back to it kind of. So I don't even think we have that where it's like an adequate set aside time where you really can just like go do your thing. We don't. And it would be beautiful if we did, because then I think we could learn how to grieve um, mm -hmm. and in whatever ways we do, because different people grieve differently in different situations. And we're just not given that. I feel like it's even more embedded, like the hustle culture um, like mentality is I'm reading a book um, called The Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion. And she's talking about loss. She lost her husband and then her daughter. And she was saying people almost like celebrated her for being held together and being mm -hmm. able to hold it together and being strong during all these things whenever she was really like falling apart on the inside. And so I think even part of the ideal, like of how we have to appear, you know, for our teams or for other people in our lives um, keeps us from understanding grief and being able to really like use it as mm -hmm. a tool. Which probably just elongates it. So, you know, of course you're dealing with grief for years and years and years, which doesn't mean if you aren't, air quote dealing with the grief they oh I'm over it in like a month but like you are still in the same kind of slow processing of it because you're not really uh processing it all the way through so uh I think that's interesting I don't know if if we had like a time away I also don't know if we would use that you know to do it the, the right way if there is a right way um but yeah it's just something that I feel is integrated into our just daily lives now mm-hmm um I just think it's interesting too. Like we, you don't really ever hear about how to grieve. Um, it was definitely something I Googled <laughs> and ended up talking to my therapist about, but there are stages of grief. Um, and they were first seen and came about in 1969, um, in a book called on death and dying by Elizabeth Kubler Ross and, um, David Kessler. And these were meant to be like the five stages of grief to help people process. But a lot of people didn't read the actual book. And just took them as at first you'll do this step and then you do this and then you do this and then you do this and then you're done. But they actually have a sentence like in the book talking about how like these are not in order. This is not a map. This is not a linear process. Like these are some things that you could experience, but not. But I think it's been like dumbed down to, oh, these are the five stages. Once you do those, you're done. Mm -hmm. And life is just not like that. Yeah, it's definitely not. And um, anytime I, I feel some kind of way, I think about the five stages of grief. Sorry. <laughs> I think about the stages of grief because um, it, it's like grief is so adjacent to like if you feel angry or whatever or or let's say if there was like an overall issue, whether it's a relationship or a person passing or anything like that. And so like if I feel some kind of way, I always kind of think like, am I in one of the stages right now? Um, and you'll and then even sometimes when you feel OK about something, but then you, you end up going back and you're like back to being angry or um upset or what in denial or whatever and so it, you can be at any um at any stage really at any time and I think it's just a matter of maybe more quickly also kind of identifying where you are and letting yourself kind of um, process through that when you're feeling it 
Yeah, so as we go through these, remember, they're not a map. <laughs> it's not one and done. Um, and you might experience a lot more of a few of them than the other ones. So just think through it and then see what you can notice in your life, um, you know, around any types of loss. Or if you're experiencing, you know, the loss of a loved one, I'm sure it's much more obvious. But the one of the stages or the first stage of grief is denial. And so denial is actually our body's defense mechanism. It helps you cope with and survive the initial defense or the initial event. And it's nature's way of protecting you because it's really hard to handle that much shock because the world as you knew it no longer exists like that. Um, some ways you can notice this are if you start to deny, deny the news or clinging to your preferred reality, like thinking they might come back. Um, Joan Didion talks about that in the year of magical thinking. She kept thinking that her husband was going to come back. Like she didn't throw away his shoes because he's going to need those when he comes back. And it was just little things like that, that she was like, Oh, there's something wrong with me for sure. And then, um, a lot of times it's my, maybe not exactly denial, but I think it's interesting how for a lot of people, um, the loss of somebody, it doesn't even really hit until like you're around like all your family or like later on, um, immediately it's kind of like, huh? Like, you're just like, okay. But then it, it, it just does take a while for it to feel real. Um, and so it's kind of, yeah, I think, I think it, I don't know if that's really denial, but it, it is almost like you don't really process it, what's happened yet. That one is huge because right after um, my mom passed, like even a few days later, even up until the funeral, all that stuff, I never really had like a big, breakdown like a big cry nothing like that and I was talking to my best friend I was like yo am I a psychopath like I haven't cried and she was like yeah girl because you're trying to get stuff done like wait mm -hmm. until you're back home by yourself like mm -hmm. in a few weeks for oh, things to actually people's hit you. emotions yeah exactly so yeah I don't know if that goes in denial but that is big that it might not hit you until a ways after mm -hmm. um what about um, denial with other types of grief that's not like a, a loss or um, death of a person? Uh, I can think about, well, relationships. You you can think that things are going to get back together. We're going to be better. Um, denial of the facts. Yeah, denial um, of the facts. What's real. Yeah. yeah like yeah. literally Keep living you in your own dream world. Or even, like, even if you didn't, and I mean they're all lost, I guess, but like even if you didn't get... Um, like a position or something you thought you were doing, mm -hmm. like you could definitely be in denial about that. Like, Oh, or it could be in denial about, um, that you messed up something at work or that, yeah, I'm not, um, or that you're not qualified for whatever you didn't get or, uh, whatever. Right. And maybe place a blame on other people as well. Mm -hmm. Um, another stage of grief is anger, uh, which we all know what anger means, but that just kind of protects pain. Did, did we, we did an episode on anger, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I know we talked about anger recently. Um, Heated. Yeah, you can be angry at yourself. You can be angry at others. You can be angry. Um, there's a lot of, well, there's not a lot of, but, like, there's lifetime stories, right, where it's, like, um, when a family loses a child, the couple can't move, go on because they're angry at each other or kind of blaming each other. Um, you could blame, like, a, a sibling, something happened, and it's, like, they could take on that. Blame. There could be a lot of anger with within the family or within other people, um, and you could be angry at um, God or the universe. You can be angry at the person, maybe if they had themselves in some situation. Um, but anger, I feel like anger allows you to direct your emotion a bit, um, and 
I don't know. To me, it makes sense, right? Like, like you're you're angry that they're gone, or you're angry that this thing happened. You're angry that you have to deal with it. Hmm. Essentially, maybe you might hmm. even low key be more angry that you have to deal with it than the actual like loss of them, if that makes sense. Um, but it's kind of like a way to get the frustrations out. Um, what else uh, is there to anger? Man, um, anger, like blaming people. Um, and so like creating more strife just to get out all of your hurt and pain. But something that you said about like when couples lose children, I've been doing a lot of research about grief since this happened. And um, it's not because they lose the child that they break up. It's because they judge how the other person grieves. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you don't, you know, you're not crying every day. So you don't care about our kid, you know, like not consciously, but they're mad because the person doesn't process grief the same way. Mm-hmm. And I thought yeah, I that was that. so interesting. It's like, yeah, um, and they also start to blame each other. And so uh, I think the best way is, is how you said it's just the direction of all of those emotions that you have going. And then I'm trying to think of um, when it comes to a loss, I don't know if this would be something else or anger, but I, I definitely experienced, um, I don't know, was I angry though? I think I just felt sad, but maybe part of anger is like to to know that I I didn't visit my grandma when I told her I was going to visit her. And that's something that like really um, bothered me even now because like I just, she just passed away like a year ago last week and I was thinking about it more. And that's really like the only maybe not the only, but probably like the only thing about it that's still, that's, that's the thing that bothers me. Like she was 90 something years old. Um, so it's like, okay, cool. But the thing about her passing is, dang, I didn't really do what I should have did. So the anger, that's, I guess that could be anger, but that's anger with yourself. And that's something that you can process because like I said before, it's not even about the person or the loss as much as um, with your own like decisions or or maybe if you're placing blame on anybody or yourself or whatever. And I think anger um, back to the episode that we did makes you feel in control. And so everything is falling apart and you literally can't control anything else. But you can control your your temper and like where you pointed it at. Mm, can you? Uh, well, what I'm saying is like that feels good because that is something that it's is something to do yeah, with that energy. To do with that yeah. energy for sure. Yeah, I definitely still feel like we said earlier a lot of anger around particular relationships just because it's still I don't know. It's just like, bro, come on, like what a loser. Um, and then to still see people do things even like when you're done and it's like it should not matter to me. And it's like it doesn't, but it does. It's it almost still feels like it reflects you. Um, it's, it is really hard to process that type of a feeling. Man. I have yeah, very similar thoughts about a past relationship. Um, another stage of grief is bargaining. And bargaining is a form of false hope. It is a sense of negotiation with yourself or a higher power um, as a way to try to avoid your grief. So this is another one of those secondary um, emotion type things. Um, it's like trying to bargain with God. Like, okay, look, if you just you know, cure this person. If you bring them back, like I'll, I'll be a good Christian and do all, I'll go to church every Sunday and do all these things. Or you start thinking like of all the things that you could have done differently or should have done differently to like maybe fix the situation or change the outcome. Like if you lost someone who, um, was an addict and you start thinking, Oh, I could have took them to this and that's my fault. And you start trying to become overly responsible um, for that. So it's like a form of guilt. Like what if I did this or what, what could have changed? Um, What if man, we just would have got there 30 seconds earlier. I feel like bargaining is something I only see like on movies and TV, like outright like that. Um, And I'm trying to think of maybe, is there any other examples of it outside of just being like, um, you know, God, can you please bring them back type stuff? Like, I feel like I see that in media. Do you feel like in your experience, you had any like bargaining? 
That's the one that I feel like is kind of like yeah, not um, always there like that. I didn't, but I saw it in other people around. Mm. So like um, my like <clears throat> father um, and my mom didn't talk. They had me and then really weren't close or anything. They hadn't talked in like 30 years. But when I told him about her passing and he had like FaceTime me, like when he was talking to me and praying, it was almost like he was trying to bargain with mm. God. Like, oh, she's going to be okay. And this is going to happen. And, and this, and it was like in his head, I think it just um, is a way to like avoid all of a sudden now. Yeah. But I think it's just a way to avoid like feeling things. Mm. You, if you start thinking you can control anything and try to make it different. So maybe not just with God, but thinking about what you can control with the situation. Like, oh, well maybe I can get this other, other doctor to make it better or mm. something like if someone's dying like, yeah, I could I could see some of that. Okay, that's a good example. And then, of course, like as reality sets in, you realize that um, the situation won't change, uh, or that there's nothing that you can do about it. Um, then depression can sit in, um, and depression in this case of like grief. Well, and I guess I can only explain it for me. So you can also speak to this too. But like depression in regards to grief is just like. No, you just don't have energy. Um, you know, what's done is done. You don't have, there's nothing you can do. Um, you don't want to do anything. Let me just lay in this. Um, you might not want to move. Like, you're just there um, going through motions or not. Like, not doing the, your daily routine, not doing what you need to do. Um, and it may even feel like um, this loss is so heavy or the grief is so heavy that, like, what's the point of anything um, and therefore, you're not doing much of anything. Um, talk a little bit about um, depression from either your experience or your thoughts on what you've read. Yeah, um, I had to really stop myself from thinking about all the things I should have done and all of the sadness that I didn't because I really was going to pop mm -hmm. up on my mom um, like the week before my birthday. And she passed the week after the week after. And I got there in time to see her, but I was so mad at myself because I didn't go when I had the inkling. Like, I even looked up tickets and I didn't go. And I realized that that was just my brain trying to make sense of the situation and all these emotions I had. And so um, in order to keep myself from completely spiraling into hopelessness and, you know, nothing even matters, like, I, I had to, you know, bring myself back to reality and stop thinking about what if, stop thinking about the bargaining. But I do experience and have experienced days where I don't want to do shit. I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't care about anything. Um, I, everything doesn't matter. Um, and... I'm allowing myself to have those. And I think it's important as you go through these stages to allow yourself whatever comes up to come up. And I'm just grateful for all the space in my life that I could one, even do that, like take some time off of work and not mm -hmm. have to teach and be around people, but also just to sit in like, yeah, this fucking sucks. And today I'm just not doing anything. Um, yeah. So that, and then real quick going back to the anger. Cause I feel like depression and anger can go hand in hand. Cause a lot of times anger is probably protecting you from the sadness. I was so angry at my mom. I was pissed that she didn't do better and didn't do more and didn't tell mm -hmm. us and didn't do this. Like what the fuck? Like, I, Oh my God. And they're like, so hand in hand, like this anger builds up and then it like breaks the gates for all the sadness of like not being able to be there and not, you know, help and support them. Yeah, I wonder why, um, keep flicking up next, I'm like, I wonder why um, just sadness in general isn't like a stage, but maybe that's kind of like a just the ongoing feelings. Um, depression may be more of like a little era, like for a while. Um, but um, most folks that I know who have 
lost somebody that was close to them. Um, I mean, it would just be like random times and you like break down in tears and um, just be sad. Like if you hear a song, I can hear certain songs or see certain things and like already know like, damn, this going to be bad later. Like, um, you know, when something does happen to like a parent or whoever it reminds me of or, or whatever. Right. So it just, it just can like be a very quick, like flip of the switch to, uh, feeling sad about the loss of somebody at any given point when you see something or hear something um, or think about them. And I think that that's what they mean when they say grief comes in waves. Like mm-hmm. some days it's real chill, but you don't know when that tidal wave is coming. Like I was reading a book at a coffee <clears throat> shop <laughs> and I thank God I was by myself. There's like nobody mm-hmm. else there but the barista. And it was something about the relationship between the mom and the person. And when I tell you I lost, I lost it and just started bawling. Like in the book you were reading? Yeah, um, in the book. And I just started bawling. It's actually when I borrowed from you, um, Morgan Jenkins Read Book. But um, I started bawling in the in the back of the coffee shop, just losing my shit just mm-hmm. because it just hit me. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be here. I'm going to let myself sit in this mm-hmm. crying in a coffee shop. Big, big crocodile tears. It does feel good to get it out, though. Oh. Um when when that happens and then like you kind of start drying up and you're like well <laughs> and you know you you have to have those moments i think that's important in processing for sure yeah and then the last like thing thought about like sadness and random things is that um when you have such a big change and it could be like a job right like let's say that you retire because i remember my grandpa got depressed after he retired it was a big loss he loved his career he loved who he was in his career and you know, I can imagine him like getting up to go to work and remembering like, oh, shit, I retired. And that like kind of hitting hard, like, oh, damn, my life is very different. Um, For me, that was I've, I've tried to call my mama so many times. Like I just pick up my phone and I'll be like, oh, oh, that's different. OK. And then having to sit with that moment. Is that different or, or you you used to call her a lot before? I used to call her. I'm saying it's different and like I can't call her. Mm-hmm. And so so now um. It's just like I can't, and that kind of goes into the next stage of grief, um, which real fast though that reminds me of another thing with denial, um, where people be like, um, on social media, like pick up the phone, why are you not answering the phone mm. and stuff like that. When people put comments under um, photos and things like that after somebody passed, like, um, yeah, and or or people will call or text or mm-hmm. you know want to talk. Um, act like they're talking to them, things like that is all just, that just reminded me of like denial too. I wonder, well, I I have a bunch of voicemails cause my mama loved Lord Jesus loved to leave me a good long voicemail. But for some reason I saved them. I think somehow I knew I would need them at some point in my life. Um, but it's cool cause I can kind of record them and then send it to like her twin and mm. you know, other people in my family so they can hear her voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but acceptance is a major stage and I think acceptance should not be confused with being all right. Um, because a huge loss in whatever capacity, your life is different, and that's okay. Um, and they say that most people who have, like, really big losses, like, aren't actually ever the same, and that is also okay. The acceptance stage is more about coming to terms with the fact that they're no longer here and that they won't be physically and that they're not coming back, like, finally learning to accept that reality. Um, and you don't have to like the new reality. You don't have to enjoy it, but it's learning to live with this new norm, like learning to adjust to life. Um, and, you know, if it is a loss of relationship, this is the part where you're able to maybe start dating again and recognizing that it's okay. Um, or a loss of a job, like it's okay to get another one or whatever else is happening in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the 
five stages that we've usually heard of denial, anger, depression. Uh, what's the other one? Acceptance. Something else, right? Bargaining. Oh, bargaining. I always forget bargaining. That yeah, because it's kind of like meh to me too. <laughs> um, but then also there's um, another stage for finding meaning. Um, so talk about this because to find meaning just sounds like maybe um, a switch from when you think about them instead of feeling angry or sad, when you think about them, you're feeling happy or you're, you know, um, thinking about a lesson you learned or, you know, maybe more of like a forward thinking around whatever that loss was or, or how, um, you know what, like now I, I'm doing X, Y, Z. It's I'm glad I didn't get that one job or, mm-hmm. you know, finding being able to be OK um, in what else has happened or what you got out of whatever experience or person. I think you hit it hit the nail on the head. Um, so the sixth stage was actually introduced like last year or this year by David Kessler, who was the person who wrote the original ones with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And she has since passed away. So he worked with her family to see if they were okay with him introducing this new stage mm. because they had did that together and they were. And so he lost his son very tragically. And um, he recognized like, you know, life has no meaning without his son. And he was processing and he recognized that you know, there's more than just like acceptance of this new reality. Like this has to mean something. And so I think this stage is like looking not just at the silver lining and it's not meant to be toxic positivity, but truly like really thinking through what meaning can come from this tragedy of loss. Like what, is there any good in this situation? Um, that like, even if it's, um, okay. So right after my mom passed, there was someone from my high school that committed suicide and, something good that came from that, which that's a terrible situation. And there's nothing good. The only good thing that I saw was that all of the guys from my high school actually started, like they had a men's conference about men's mental health, like black men's mental health Mm -hmm. and like supporting each other. And so like that could be the meaning, one of the things that came from the loss of one of my friends from high school. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what, what does this do for you? And so meaning is, and this is from um, David Kessler, but meaning is relative and personal, personal, It takes time. Um, You might not find it until months or years after a loss. It does not require understanding. Um, And even when you do find meaning, it's you'll not feel that it was worth the cost of what you lost. Um, Recognizing that your loss is not a test, a lesson or something to handle. And it is also not a gift. Um, Thinking about that only you can find your own meaning and that meaningful connections can help heal painful memories. And so all of that, like, summed mm-hmm. up for me is, like, I am um, thinking about the lessons that I learned from my mom my mom passing. I'm thinking about all of the time that I got to spend with family that I haven't seen in a really long time. Um, and seeing her surrounded in love, which is something, you know, that she had wanted for a while with the whole family together. And... Um, how she gave back to other people in the community. And even when she passed, like donated her cars to people and did all this stuff, like looking at all of these, these bright, shiny things, but it doesn't change the fact that, you know, I'm sad that my mom is gone and that I Mm -hmm. can't talk to her, but it did make me recognize that community care is important because she didn't ask for help. It was really hard for her, whether it be pride or shame or whatever kept her from reaching out to a lot of people and asking for help whenever she really needed it. It really helped me understand the lesson. Like, oh, I, I have to be more open like when I need things. Like, that's what community is for. And I don't ever want to have to go through stuff alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, finding meaning definitely sounds like it's a lot of like um, 
you're almost forced to reprioritize your relationships and um, the things and the people that matter to you. Um, so I feel that maybe for a period after loss, like you are maybe more more open to, or like more soft, more gentle, more, you know, noticing of certain things um, and maybe even more understanding, empathetic, et cetera. Because mm-hmm, a lot of times when people pass, everybody's like, oh, man, this is the reminder that life is short and we got to live mm-hmm. every day like our last. But then the next day they forget. And so I think with some with a loss so close and so big, um, that it's made me be a lot softer and a lot more thoughtful. And I, and I want to keep this. I want to hold on to this. I do think that this is a gift that she gave me, even though they say it's not a gift. I think it is a gift she gave me to love on the people in my life a little more and to be try to be more present for them, um, you know, doing the best that I can. I think also um, in the same way where you're like, you know, life is short and um, all of those things. I think that after a loss or when somebody close to you is experiencing grief, that it's very, you know, it's obvious, it's common since you are checking in on the people, you're supportive of them, you want to make sure they're good. Um, but I, I feel, and I've heard a lot of people say this, like, you know, all those things kind of stop and they slow down even within a couple of weeks. And we already talked about how grief can really be ongoing. And so talk a little bit about what support is wanted what is nice and maybe everybody's a little different but I just think I think that we really like we're too short on like moving on you know um when people are can still be dealing with things for so long so how can how can people support um when somebody's grieving or like for how long should you kind of check in with people or you know make sure that they're good um man this is this is great and so in my research of grief um, it was saying that community care is actually one of the best ways to heal. And that's the last thing I fucking wanted. I didn't want to talk to nobody. Mm-hmm. I don't want to share this. I don't want to cry in front of you. I don't want you to have pity for me. And I also, in in the lessons I learned, like allowed myself to receive help. And so some of the best help that I received and the best support that I have is like thoughtfulness with no mm-hmm. requirement of respi- reciprocity, like no expectations back from me. And what that looks like is like text from a friend, like, Hey, I'm just thinking of you. I'm here. If you need me, I hope you have a great day. Mm-hmm. Like not asking like, how are you? Yeah, as no, much. no, just like, that's what I imagine too. Like when, and when you're the person reaching out to you, like, you know, you don't want to like, agitate more and or also like i imagine like i i don't already don't like talking about stuff it's like i'm if you say like oh how are you it's gonna be like real short like it's almost like you're asking for too much effort in that case but i'm sure it's also nice to know like that people are thinking of you right it's one of those weird things where it's like i don't want to all the extras but dang ain't nobody call me like (laughs) at the same time yo absolutely and um like you know you sent me flowers and stuff after like that I did you did <laughs> she did um thoughtful ass but mm-hmm. yeah like things like that mean a lot um something that help helps immensely if people are uh struggling I, I would say with like a big family loss or like a big job loss like a big loss is like food because mm-hmm. you don't want to cook you don't want to have to order anything you just don't want to have to think about anything mm-hmm. and so cooking a meal sending a meal sending an uber gift card like uber eats mm-hmm. or something like that like that was one of the most helpful things that anybody did i think um, that's big with families usually but if you're like a young adult you're kind of by yourself or something then um yeah people might not think about that as much but you know especially with Black folks, like all that food they be sending mm-hmm. over and make sure your family's good and all that. Um, yeah, that I could see how that would be very helpful. Yeah. Um, and another thing about the check-ins, like letting someone know, like, if they really need you, that they can reach out in a way mm-hmm. that makes sense. So, like, 
um, one of my friends who has lost her father a while ago, she gave me some really great advice and reached out and she was like, look, if you're ever having a day where you feel like you can't handle it, you know, text me these words and I'll know what's going on mm-hmm. and I can call you like it's an emergency, like SOS, like mm-hmm. what's going on? And that was so helpful to me because I have had those days where I literally text like, I can't do this shit. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I am, I am crying in my car and I have to go do this presentation and I don't know what the fuck's going on. And like, you know, they were able to support me, but it requires this level of vulnerability that I don't think I was ready for with grief mm-hmm. because like as someone who prides myself on being strong and being the person there for everyone like it's a lot to allow mm-hmm. people to be there for you and see you fall apart mm-hmm. um but yeah, every time you open up too it's like um I don't you can't you might feel like you're being weak or it it also might feel like all right man it's been like x amount of time but you know people don't probably don't want to deal with me dealing with this no more and all of that like um but yeah, that that is hard. That's a hard vulnerability, especially also because everybody can't understand it either. Um, so it is good. I would say a good thing is to make sure you're connected with people who can um, or who have had the experience to understand, you know, where you're coming from. Because I don't think you'll ever overly bother and or like scare away or whatever somebody else who has lost a parent like that because mm-hmm. um, they're they're going to get that. And that's been some of the best support, like talking to one of my line sisters who lost her father. And we were talking about how angry we were with our parents, you know, and in a way like that's okay because we both have experienced that same loss. Mm -hmm. And it was like, wow, like this is refreshing to understand that it's okay to feel all these things at once. And I feel very affirmed and seen. Um, I had another friend like lose his grandmother, lose his stepmom and lose an auntie like in the span of like December, January. Mm -hmm. And he told me that was what was helpful for him was seeing me still live life. Because he was like, there is this level of guilt that can come from you still being alive. And like, I'm supposed to be grieving, like thinking about the biblical grieving, you know, 90 days, all black, ripping my clothes and ashes and crying. But like, you know, you do have happy moments and you do want to share them or you do have a good meal that you're excited about or fun with your friends. And so he hit me and was like, yo, thank you for still living life and reminding me that it's okay and I can do both. Like I can grieve and it's important. And, but, and I'm not disrespecting their memories by still choosing to be alive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important too, is like, you can honor yourself. So you may have days where you're uh, falling apart, crying, and you may have days where you're living life and people are like, Oh dang, she must be good. But like to live authentically and do like what you're doing is, I guess that's the realest thing. Cause you never know what from that can touch somebody else, maybe help somebody else. Um, and also show other people, like, you know, what they can do, too. Like, it's okay to be grieving. It's okay to, um, however you process that, move through that, et cetera. But if you're just being you, um, it's kind of like the freedom to just, like, let things be what they are. And, you know, people around you will will kind of fall into place. Mm-hmm. And it gives them the freedom to do the same thing. It's like a reminder to them, like, oh, man, I know that they're passed on, but I'm still living. Let me, let me live my life. Like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, some other things that are helpful when people have a big loss or even maybe a little one and think about how it could translate across the board are finances. If you got it, because funeral, that's a motherfucking racket boy. Them things are expensive and crazy. Um, also helping plan things. Uh, my best friend flew out to be with me um, and help me do all the things like whenever my mom passed for the funeral and doing that stuff. I actually had two best friends and having people help me do stuff like thank God because Lord knows. It was a lot, and it is a lot. Um, and then the last one. Yeah, because you don't have siblings like that either. Yeah, I don't, so that's nah. a big thing. Because um, I have, um, I know somebody else who's like their only child, and they're already like looking at things like, all right, as, as my people get older and stuff, like it's about to be a lot of 
work on just them and thinking about how like it's like hmm, that's kind of a benefit to like let me make sure i have a few kids because it would be nice for them to have support and like although a lot of times that could be a lot of drama too but um even in taking care of like aging parents and family mm-hmm. and all that it, it can be a lot for you know like an only child I actually want to bring on like a funeral director, not necessarily the same one, but somebody to talk about the things that people should have in order because mm. Lord Jesus, it is a lot and it's probably never too early to start planning. I'm not dark mm. and, and you, you know, morose, but baby, um, there are just certain things you should have done. But like in a span, like my mother passed on the morning of one day and we had a funeral like four days later because there was like all the family in and just everything that you have to do and then cleaning out her apartment and like do like you don't know about all that stuff and so anyway you can like help like my cousins were offering to help me come clean but thank god my best friend was there because i didn't feel like being around nobody so it was just me and her you know doing stuff but Mm -hmm. my um, dad was at um our grandma's house for a few months after she passed and i i literally just unpacked um the stuff that I got from my parents from her, like, literally two weeks ago. Because <laughs> I was like, well, I don't, let me put this stuff up somewhere because it's just sitting there. Um, it's a lot of stuff to go through. Um, selling people's houses, going through all their things. And, you know, folks, we cluttered up. Um, it's a lot. And then, like, even the kind of the stresses and emotions going through all those things is a lot, too. So, Man, yeah. Um, I still haven't went through all her stuff. I have it, but I haven't went through like her journals and, and things like that. There's just so many layers. Um, so any anything that you can do like to help someone with any of those things or to just sit with them. I would say the last one that's most helpful um, is just giving people space. Like maybe they don't want to be alone, but maybe they don't want to be talked to or at or felt pity for. Maybe they just need someone, like some energy around them. And I think that that's really helpful too. So thoughtfulness um, without expecting reciprocity. And then you can also ask them or or suggest, like, would it be helpful for me to send you dinner tonight? Or would it be helpful for me to come by and help you do X, Y, Z? Because then they can say yes or no. And it's not a lot of thinking in, in them trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's... Um, some things I think that are helpful when someone's going through a loss, a reminder that grief is not linear and that Mm-mm. if you're going through any type of loss, um, you'll probably experience all of these clumsy over here. Right? I'm um, sorry. You'll probably experience all of these rolling in waves, mm-hmm. but um, a couple of reminders is that um, it's okay to not be okay and not have it together. Like, please just allow yourself to be. It sounds stupid, but it is such a great reminder. Um, The second thing is that I learned that grief really affects your health. So it actually Mm -hmm. wreaks havoc on your immune system, your metabolism, your energy. It increases your blood pressure and your inflammation in your body. And so you really have to be patient with yourself. Um, And then that's what you can get sick more easily during those times. Oh, I've been sick three times since December. And I haven't been sick in the last like years um and then the last one is like you're not off if you're not dealing with grief in this way or in any way or the way you thought you would handle something um allowing yourself to have whatever process you can and you can't outthink your way out of grief uh, i talked to my therapist mm-hmm. and he was like i was asking him questions he's like sorry bro you're not gonna be able to like mm-hmm. outthink your way out of this carly like or there's no logic yeah you can't achieve your way through grief mm-hmm. you just have to sit in it so sit in it Yeah, you have to learn to sit in it, um, understand all the stages you may be going through. And the last thing I will throw in here, too, is um, to don't forget that you can call, like, crisis helpline. You can call 988 or 
um, there's quite a few numbers. Like if you ever just want to, or text too, if you ever just want to talk to somebody and just be like, Hey, I, I just, I'm dealing with this loss. It's really hard right now. Um, sometimes it's easier to talk to somebody that you don't know. Um, as somebody who's trained on how to mm. listen and just let you talk. And, you know, you can't, sometimes we might feel dumb or, you know, some kind of way to like text a friend or text somebody, you know, if you're dealing with something, but, um, those numbers exist for a reason. You can always dial nine eight eight if you just wanted to talk to somebody about something, um, if it's affecting you in that way. I think that's great. I definitely considered it um, one day when I was having a really tough time. So please call those. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of help out there. You do not have to do this alone. Um, hit us at Carly's Couch. Let us know, you know, what stood out about the episode. If you're dealing with grief, what are some things that have been helpful for you? We would love to hear from you. And then I have a shout out this yeah. week. Although I wish um, I have time to do an interview around this before next week. Maybe if I could try to get them. Um, I want to shout out. Um, Nicola Mitchell. So Nicola Mitchell is a lady, she's older, um, but she is a lady who started Girls Who Brunch. Um, Girls Who Brunch, is, I think it's called like Girls Who Brunch Tour now. Um, but what she started doing was she was an author and she started recognizing like younger girls kind of needed something to be a part of and, um, and community, especially dealing with a lot of issues. Like Nic Nicola herself was um, sexually abused multiple times. Um, she dealt with, while she was doing the Girls Who Brunch and building it, she was dealing with a cancer diagnosis, all kinds of things. It's a really um, touching story. Um, and they have all this shout out to say, um, she's been doing it for, I'm, I'm pretty sure, a few years now. Um, and they've grown exponentially. And she's doing some things in some different countries now with it as well. And a lot of the girls, what's so cool is, like, she'll really know, like, all the girls in all the different cities when they go to the different events and what they're dealing with and keeping up with them, et cetera. But she has, um, there's a movie that was made for her, about her. It's called Giving Hope, the Nicola Mitchell story. And it's coming out on Lifetime. I saw the um, premiere of it a couple of weeks ago and everybody in the place is like all crying through all out it. Um, but it was just very, it's very nice, very inspirational. Um, so I just wanted to shout out really kind of to check out the movie on Lifetime or, and I'm sure it'll be streaming. It comes out on the 9th. Um, but you know, just seeing stories like that. And I don't know her personally or anything, um, but I saw her speak about it after the premiere um, and talking about like her story and how much it means for her to be there for other young women and all of that, um, what she's gone through. And I just think that's very inspirational to uh, devote your life essentially to other people like that, especially when you have so much you're dealing with. Part of her story also, like she had her first kid at like 15 or 16 and just, just a lot going on there. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to shout out that film. Yeah, so check that out. We'll put the link um, to the information in the show notes. And then this week's question of the week is, have you ever had a near-death experience? I don't think so. Yeah, I haven't either. Not very excited, but um, <laughs> not very exciting. But uh, last thing that I'll say is... Not that I know. Shout out to hospice nurses. They are angels on earth. And they, mm -hmm. like, had a pamphlet, because um, my mom was in hospice, about, like, the stages of death and like what it looks like and how it happens and how a lot of times the person who's passing has like one foot in this world and one foot in, you know, the spirit world and they might see things or experience things in different ways. And it was just so helpful to understand that. And it was actually shed a lot of light and hope in the sense of like 
how much peace uh, people experience after they're on the other side. And so um, if you're interested in that or are very uncertain about death, you can look up near-death experiences and hear about people's experiences or um, hospice care uh, information. Because it was like a couple-page pamphlet, but it was so helpful. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Thank you all for listening. Please feel free to leave us any comments, especially if you have any um, stories or uh, ways that you've dealt with grief. Feel free to leave comments on the YouTube, on the post, um, where else, Instagram, anywhere you see the clips or, um, or the episode. And we look forward to hearing your takes on grief and hope that you're able to get something from the conversation that we had today. Yep. And we'll see you next week.